Hello, and welcome again to the Security Metrics Podcast. I'm Jen Stone, the Principal Security Analyst for Security Metrics, coming at you from the shed in my backyard. It's in the backyard where the critters are, so this makes me happy. And today, something that also makes me super happy is I have Noreen George with me here today. Noreen is a security threat intel engineer at Cisco Systems, and She's, um, she, uh, I, I will let her talk, tell you more about herself because I'm sure I'll get it wrong, but over a decade in um, experience in cybersecurity. She's also a cybersecurity mentor and president of North Carolina Women in Cybersecurity. Noreen, welcome. Thank you so much for coming and talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited just to have a chit-chat with you. Me as too. We, as we locked in, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but yes. we have the but virtual outside, right? Um, Correct. Will you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name, as you had, my name is Noreen George. I work at Cisco System as a security threat intel engineer. Um, I've been in the industry for over 10 plus years, Um I started as computer engineering with school and then proceeded on to cybersecurity. On top of that, I like mentoring others because it's good to pass on the knowledge to others and help others cross the bridge on the other side of security. And also, I'm a president of the North Carolina Women in Cybersecurity, where I help women um, launch into the career, um, transition into the career, inspire, mentor, educate, and just have a community of women in the security arena because it's, it was lacking for a while, but it's, it's heading on the right track. It is. It's um, going in the right direction. Yes, yes. And I have two kids, so homeschooling and working at the same time from home is also a part <laughs> of my, my day-to-day duties, but I love it. It's part of my responsibility, and I enjoy it. That is an excellent attitude. I get a little grumpy about it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I try not to, <laughs> but no, well, that's, and mine are, my kids aren't even uh, school age anymore. My kids are in their twenties, so I don't know what oh, I wow. have to complain about, but uh, no, my kids are great. Uh, so tell, tell me about, um, from a cybersecurity perspective, what got you interested in security? Well, upon graduating, um, I went to University of Massachusetts Law where I did information technology. Then I landed my first job as a system admin at most corporations. And while I was working there, they used to have a group meeting where they would discuss what's trending in every department. And there was this one gentleman who used to talk about a malware. There's this malware that's trending. Uh, we need to be cautious about it. And me, with a curious mind, I always had to ask questions. What are you talking about? Where is that person? Where can we find it? Where, where, where don't we know about it, right? And my curiosity got me into cybersecurity. Um, I remember the, the owner of the company actually provided me an opportunity to attend a program at Massachusetts Institute of Technology where they were offering, the, launching the cybersecurity program. And that's where I got to learn the more hands-on in-depth about cybersecurity and my interest grew from there. Oh, excellent. That, I love yeah. how you talk about the curiosity. One of the things that I noticed, um, a, a strong difference between people who, who follow an IT path and who follow a security path is being interested in in figuring things out and not being afraid to push the buttons until until things work again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is that fear that you're going to break things beyond what you can fix, but that's all part of the learning learning curve. So, um from from the um the time that you went to uh university and then you you got a career at, to now, tell me about your work at at Cisco. 
At Cisco, um, I'm a cybersecurity consultant, but heavily dealing with threat intelligence. So I have uh, Fortune 500 companies and also small SMB business companies um, to stay proactive against cyber attacks because, you know, the threat landscape is constantly changing. So we always have to provide those recommendations, how to better position the security devices on your network to be protected against the cyber attacks. It's an interesting job because I get to interact with so many people, which I like to do. Sure. And um, just to share my knowledge and expertise with others, it's a passion that I have. And just to have that candid conversation with a business, just talk, tell me about your business. What are your challenges? How can we help you? That's usually very, very, I look, I look forward to it every day. And uh, in a nutshell, that's what I do. And, and like you said, it's always changing. So what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen since from when you started there to now? One of them is that, and I hope it continues to get to increase, is cyber awareness, right? Cyber attack awareness. Most people are not aware that cyber attacks were taking place. Most people are not even aware that the information is trending in the dark web. Most people are not even aware that you need to change your password, right? They didn't care or they were not conscious about it. But because of these cyber attacks, now they are constantly on the news, in the media. Um, even when you're talking with your coworker, your neighbor, you get to hear everybody's concerned about, oh, my account could be hacked. I got a, a this got this transaction. The mechanism of the attackers constantly keeps changing, and that keeps us on our toes to be aware that these attacks are taking place. And also the the way they attack, right? For example, right now with the COVID nineteen taking place. The attackers now have launched a phishing scam, right? They send you an email, tell you click on this link to see a, a global how it's how the attack is trending across the globe. Or um, even now that the government is saying that it's issuing checks, now they've transitioned now to banking schemes attacks, right? Mm-hmm. Where they send people a text message: "Don't wait two or three min- two or three days to receive your paycheck. Just click on this link, provide me your information, you get your money right away." Mm-hmm. Right there, you've given out your information, right? So. Like they say, we always have to be 100%. Well, the attackers only need 1% and right. they're in. Yeah. I, I, and I, you brought up a, a really good one that we can all walk away with, which is if someone contacts you and asks for your information for something you want, you know, we all want these things. We want more information. We want money, whatever it is that, that is, um, causes that kind of urgent feeling in us. Mm-hmm. And then if there's a feeling of urgency along with, oh, by the way, just give me a little information, that is... Hundred percent, the sign yes. of a phishing attack. So don't right? don't give people your information. <laughs> no, and plus also I know it may come from a legit account, right? Let's yeah. say you bank with banking X Y Z. Mm-hmm. They send you that information. I mean, I usually say trust but verify, right? What would your bank sure. be asking you for your information if they already yeah. have your information on file? Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, trust uh, but verify. That's a that's a really good point. Yeah. And so. Um, the, the awareness um, that we all have to have just to be able to function in life right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the other things that you talked about was passwords. Here's, here's something that always kind of, I don't know if it makes me laugh or if it just kind of frustrates me. You get these big companies that have a breach. And then, of course, you get the email. We are so sorry. And we care about you very much. And you're like, okay, whatever. And then they say, since your password was breached, change your password. But the problem is not changing your password on that platform. The problem is, if your information is breached and they get your password on that platform, they're going to walk away and try that password on another platform. 
right? So right. let's say that, right. that Facebook gets breached and, you, and they get your password. They're going to turn around with your information and try that password on your banking or on mm-hmm. in your credit card company. And so right. uh, whenever we get those things, I, I always tell people, if you get told change your password where you've been breached, automatically think change my password everywhere else too. Yes. And don't, and don't use the same password across all platforms. Yes, right? exactly. Ch- change it. Yeah. There are good tools out there to help you with the password keeping, right? So mm-hmm. if you, if forgetting is an issue, then use the tools to help you store your password securely. <laughs> For sure. right? I do. I use yeah. a, I use a password manager all the time. <laughs> I don't know how I call you... it. I, yeah, you have to. Mm-hmm. It's, it's basic. Um, what do you call it? Cyber hygiene, right? Right. Same way we wake up, brush your teeth, wash your face. The same way, please. Yeah. Get your password, secure it safely, and remember, it's your data, not mm-hmm. somebody else, right? And a lot of the people I work with say, well, why do I have to do this? It's just such a pain. I never had to do this before. Uh, but like you were saying earlier, the threat landscape has changed. We all have to care about this because there are more threats out there. Right, right, yeah. So, so tell me... Um, mm-hmm. I, I saw you on a, on a podcast that came from in 2019 during the, um, the, the week that DEF CON and Black Hat happened, that there was also a cybersecurity, women in cybersecurity gala, and mm-hmm. you were featured on there. I loved one of the comments. I wrote it down because I, I, I didn't want to yeah. forget it. Cybersecurity is a global event and we need all the brains. And, and I think you were talking about um, cybersecurity in that one. Can you tell me a little bit more about our diversity in cybersecurity? So tell me about your interest in, in developing diversity in cybersecurity. Yeah, that's an interesting um, question I get asked a lot of times. But this is my takeaway. When, when, the security, when the threat actor is out there to attack, they don't care whether you're from this continent, this country, this state, or this county, right? Mm -hmm. They are there to attack everybody. They don't care your status quo. And for us as security, cybersecurity specialists, we should also have that mindset, right? It's a community effort. I have to help my brother, my sister, my coworker, my friend, how to better defend themselves against the attacks. And bringing that security awareness across the globe, right? Because when the attack occurs, it, it doesn't affect just me, it affects everybody. When your bank gets hacked, it's, it doesn't just have you as the only account person. It has somebody who's in another country, another continent. So it's a global effort, and we have to diversify, just as the attackers are also diversified, right? right. Some are very skilled in a specific arena of cybersecurity, so we have to be skilled in all domains. Again, we always have to be 100%, and for them, just 1%, and they get in. So I believe in a community effort, making sure that everybody is included at the seat at the table and everybody's voice is heard because we all think in a different way, right? right. I, I may come this way and say, oh, we can defend this way and you bring your idea. Well, since we migrate to the cloud, I think this is the way we should. Everybody's voice can be heard and then they take all these brilliant ideas and brainstorm and then come up with a good solution how to better defend not only just our own businesses, our own account, just the whole community, a globe internal, because when when your bank gets hacked or your account gets hacked or your company gets hacked, it is it is it has, it affects a lot of people, and these people are family members who have families to feed, right? Mm-hmm. And not only don't they have families to feed, they have a payroll, they have people to pay, so it affects each and every human element 
and that is why I advocate for a global cybersecurity awareness all across um, the continents. That, that is a great way to put it. Another thing that I've, I've seen myself is we, we hear that there are not enough cybersecurity professionals and how do we bring more cybersecurity professionals in? One of the ways to do that is to, to bring in um, some of the demographics that are not typically associated with, or haven't in in certain um, parts of our of our history been associated with cybersecurity. So mm-hmm. um, uh, if we talk about people who are not, you don't typically think of as cybersecurity analysts, and then bring them in. So what kind of backgrounds do you think make good cybersecurity analysts? Interesting, right? <clears throat> because cybersecurity, what I've seen with time, you cannot have um, a defined um, status quo, say, this is, this is what you need to be in order to qualify for this. What I say, I usually tell my people, even my mentees, I tell them, what is it that you really like to do? What is your passion? Once I get to know what your passion is, because your passion will drive you through the whole career. Because remember, cybersecurity domain keeps changing, right? Sure. And if your passion doesn't drive you from the get-go, forget about it. You get bored down to down, down the lane, right? Mm-hmm. So once you identify what you, what, what you really like to do, I'll give myself as an example because I can only speak for me. I can speak for somebody else. Sure. I realized I like sharing knowledge. I like helping others. I like uh, to take um, a specific data set, analyze it, and provide information. So in my threat intelligence field, I make sure that I can be able to understand who's the attacker, where is the attacker coming from, why are they attacking, what did they target, right, and how can I protect once I'm able to answer those five questions, I can be able to provide great threat intelligence to not only my customers, but also to the greater community. So when you're coming into this field, first identify your passion. What is it that you really like to do? I like to talk. So that because I like to talk, threat intelligence worked perfect for me because I can share my knowledge, explain sure. this, yeah. this, this information with people, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you like to break and fix, maybe pen ethical hacking is for you, right? Mm-hmm. Remember in cybersecurity, the three domains, right? There's the, the defense, right? And then there's the offense. And then there's the incident response, three of them. So figure out which one you like to do. Do you like to be more proactive? It's like when you go to a, a banking and they're trying to do your financial portfolio, they ask you, are you a high risk or are you a low risk taker, right? right? And depending where you fell, that's where they position your portfolio. Same applies to cybersecurity. Do you like being on the defensive side? Do you like being on the offensive side? Or do you like being the incident response person? Mm-hmm. So once you identify where you like to be, then start working towards that. Um, then you'll be able to identify what arena of cybersecurity you like to be. That broke it down really clearly. I worked with a, um, a great cybersecurity um, team of students up in, uh, up in Idaho uh, earlier, mm. I guess the end of last year who were all interested in cybersecurity. They were studying it, but they weren't sure what direction to go with it. And that's exactly the same, same kind of um, questions that I asked them was, how do, you, how do you interact with the world? And so, so looking at the diversity of humans out there, how we interact with each other, that helps right. kind of um, take people from um, what their interests are and puts them into a really valuable place in the cybersecurity um, landscape as a career. So, so that, that's a really good transition into, to my next question, which is you are a mentor. You've, you've, you're developing this program on, on mentoring other, others in the cybersecurity field. Tell me a little bit more about how you got involved with that and, and what it's all about. 
I began launching into mentorship when I myself experienced the challenge of finding a mentor. When I launched into cybersecurity, I had the education, the experience, but once you deep dive in into like a big corporate organization, you, you need to understand how they operate and how to navigate in the journey of cybersecurity. And I realized there are so many domains, just like we addressed the previous question, how do you know what skill set required for a specific domain, right? Right. So I wanted to know those who have made it ahead of me, how did you get there? How can I be better? How can I help you so that I can help industry get better? Right. And I realized I needed somebody to hand, hold my hand and walk me through, not, not, um, <clears throat> not take too much of their time, but at least give me that guidance and counsel. Sure. I was so lucky at my company here at Cisco Systems. We have so many great engineers. Um, so I was able to tap a few shoulders of some and who are very, very helpful um, in mentoring me. The, the, through that, my journey, I got to realize that there are many other people who don't know how to navigate this cybersecurity career, right. and they might take advantage of mentoring because I, I saw the success that it helped me to become successful in this industry. So I said, I would like to pass on to others, maybe somebody out there, maybe, you know, curious too. So I launched on um, the cybersecurity mentoring uh, group here on LinkedIn. Because I wanted to hear again from the globe. I wanted to hear from everybody. Because right. cybersecurity is a global <laughs> event, not just, you know, over here in the U.S. Sure. So I, I started with one. I think we already know over 4,000 people over there. You know, everybody brainstorm, sharing, mentoring, I mean, providing resources, answering questions. And recently I realized also, um, now that we are locked in um, due to this COVID-19, a lot of us are in the home. Maybe I can take two or three hours from people's time and just network with them and hear what they have to say. So I launched a cyber chat mentoring mentor and mentee session every Saturday. Mm -hmm. I started from 11.15 a.m. to around 1.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay. where everybody across the globe can join the session. I mean, it, it started with two people. Now we launched, we're going from 40 to 60 people, 80 people from different countries, just people coming in asking, where, how can I find a mentor? Who, where I'm, I would like to have a mentee, right? Sure. And others just there to share their knowledge. And I have many Cisco engineers backing me up, coming to help me because that chat goes busy when, when I'm hosting the session, <laughs> right? That. Yeah. But I realized mentorship is very good because it's a two-way communication, right? It's mm -hmm. not a monologue. It's a dialogue. Mm -hmm. I end up learning more from my mentees that I even anticipated. I, I thought I was going to be the teacher. I ended up being the student, right? Yes. And, and I, I shared the qualities of a good mentor. A good mentor is supposed to be one to be caring, right? Because you have to care for your mentee, mm -hmm. right? You have to be willing to share because they're coming to you for knowledge, uh, for guidance. So be willing to share your resources, your network, your expertise with them. Mm -hmm. Also be a good listener because you can't help somebody by just you throwing your, your, your words, your experiences at them. If you haven't heard what they have to say, you have to be very careful listener so that we'll be able to guide them along the journey of the cybersecurity. And also be able to provide constructive feedback, right? Mm -hmm. And I, 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 and provide also a guidance, a goal setting for your mentee. Because once you start that mentoring relationship, you have to have goals. Are you mentoring for two weeks? Is it a three weeks? Is it a six weeks? Is it a one year? Mm -hmm. You have to set those goals so your mentee can also know how far this career is taking place. Also, in addition, I encourage Switch your mentors. Don't just stick with one. If you come to me, I will brainstorm you and make sure that you're very good in threat intel, ethical hacking, what have you. 
go to somebody else, learn about JDPR, right? About data governance, governance, risk, and compliance. Go to somebody else, learn about data privacy. Go to somebody else, go learn about maybe incident response, right? right. There's so many domains. Twitch it up, right? Because that's the way we have several doctors. We have one that fixes the eye. He's not the same one who fixes the ear. The sure. one who fixes the teeth is not the one who does your back, right? Right. Switch it up and learn various domains. And then that way you can be able to know this is the one I really like. And that's where a mentor comes into place, especially when you're confused. Where do I start? Mm-hmm. Um, which career, which field should I take? Tap onto very many mentors, learn from them. And then the one that really resonates with you, run with that. Because you require a lot of self-motivation and passion within Yes. Yeah. And so when are, are you saying that a lot of the mentees that are coming that you're that you're seeing are are kind of uh, earlier in their careers? It's a mixture, actually. Honestly, it's a mixture. I've seen I've seen a trend sometimes when it's early in their careers. Others, it's they're transitioning from one um, career to another mm-hmm. and others are already been seasoned there. So they are willing just to join and share knowledge. Great. And find mentees, too. Yeah, it's, it's it has become a community effort. Last Saturday, I told I don't know what I'm going to continue because this episode six, I was thinking maybe doing seven episodes. They're like, oh, no, please keep it going because it's really impactful. <laughs> if you're not careful, it's going to be a full-time job. <laughs> no, really. I, mean, I, I make sure we write. I do. I do. Um, I, I'm, I'm starting to launch up a blog so I can be posting everything over there. And I usually tell them a good mentor also takes others and exposes them to other good mentors too. Right. right? So it doesn't become just my job. You don't have to be mentored by me, Noreen. Look at this. We have so many mentors here. Tap on anyone else here. They're willing to help. So how do you get uh, good mentors to show up? You'll be honest. You'll be surprised that people are willing to share and help others. What I've realized is that anybody who went through a tough transition when they're launching to this career, mm-hmm. they are willing to share with others so that others do not go through that um, um, transition. And you, you will know a good mentor by... You know, the way they articulate their information, they, they reach out to ask, can I have a mentee? Um, they, you can also find, if, if also look at their profile, right? If mm-hmm. you go to a social media, LinkedIn, see who are the people they are connected to. What are the information are they posting out there? Um, read, look at their work history too. And also reach out to a few, two, one or two people who they are connected with who can oh. speak on them, right? Okay. Speak on their behalf. And also on LinkedIn, it also gives, um, <clears throat> there's a portion where they have recommendation mm-hmm. or um Accolades, your peers, uh, they give a recommendation for you. Read what others are saying about them. And that way you'll be able to decide, is this a good mentor for me or not a good mentor? Sure. I was looking at my LinkedIn profile just the other day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I tend to neglect it. And and I got down to the recommendations section and I realized I haven't asked for any recommendations for years. It's been a long time since since I've I've reached out and asked and part of me feels kind of uncomfortable about that like hey tell me how great I am so I can post it on LinkedIn right so that's kind of how I feel about that so I haven't but what you're saying is that it could actually be very useful to other people if you take that step and and ask post about me so that other people who might be interested in what I have to say can find me and and make an evaluation Oh, yes. Remember now that everything has changed. A lot of things have gone digital and it's going to be all virtual, right? Um, gone are the days where I had to rely just on your resume. Most recruiters, even some of them even join the mentoring chat, they talk about their hiring tactics. They say they go to somebody's LinkedIn and they look at their profile and they, 
and all what have you have over there. So I usually say, remember your your own self brand, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when you walk to a grocery store, your your mind is, I'm going to buy cereal. Right. When you walk along that aisle, you already know I usually eat cereal X. But when you go to that aisle, you find there are so many other cereals that have been displayed over there. But a cereal Y stands out because maybe they did a better packaging, a better mm-hmm. branding, right? And it catches you as a consumer. You purchase that cereal and you leave all the other boxes and you walk with that one box. <laughs> Same applies to you. You are your own self-brand. Package yourself nicely. Um Provide the valuable information that you have to do on your packaging so that when you stand against others, you stand you stand out, right? Excellent. Remember, you're going for this job and maybe 10 other thousands are applying for that job. What qualifies you to be the one that gets it and the other people don't get it? Sure. That is excellent yeah. advice. So yeah. um, uh, when, when we started talking about diversity in cybersecurity and the mentorship program, um, my my impression at first was that you're you're really bringing women into the field, but it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like you're getting um, people from all over the world um, uh, with all types of backgrounds, different genders. What what uh, what are you seeing in your mentorship program? Who's who's drawn to that? It's it's a mixture, honestly. And when I started mentoring women at first, because I saw there was a there, there was a lack, or maybe the statistics were showing we were very minimal, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen that now starting going to the increase, right? But remember, like I said, cyber attacks don't know they don't know boundaries, right? right. They don't know whether I'm gonna come to East Coast, West Coast, whatever. Mm-hmm. Same applies to security. You cannot just be vent. Um, gender focused right you cannot just say it's just a women thing or a men thing right Mm -hmm. we need each other and many men honestly have been in this industry for long they have tons of knowledge tons of resources my mentors are most of them are men because they've been in this industry for a very very long time yeah and i've learned a lot from them some are authors bloggers podcast people i mean hence 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 down to them and and I said I I tell my fellow women, don't shy to reach out to them, right? Right. Because there are so many allies out there who are willing to help, right. and don't have that stereotype of it's a female thing or a man thing. Nice. In, in cybersecurity, it doesn't care what gender you are. If I'm talking about um, an an attack that happened, it, when the attack occurred, did not single thing went out and such just. Well, the females in this database, those I'm going to attack and leave the men, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So we, we have to come together. We have to unite together, right? Nice. And of course, um, like, you, like you said, I'm the president of women in cybersecurity here in North Carolina. Yes. Remember, I cannot be all over, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to focus to a specific group that I'm really be able going to be rally behind and help them. And that's why I decided to launch this one here in North Carolina to help the women here, Um Embrace the journey, join the journey, learn and share and network with each other. Do we have men in our group? Of course we do. We have so many allies who right. come, they share. We host meetings every monthly, which now they are virtual. We have men who come and present, right? We have men who sponsor the events too. So it's a community effort. Um, don't, so I would recommend others, don't be single-lined or gender-focused. Right. Come one, come all. We are all needed in this career. Love it. I love it. So for me, I, I, I get drawn into questions about gender in cybersecurity mm. a lot because I'm female. And also, <laughs> I am older than a lot of the demographic that's drawn to cybersecurity. Um, and so so people ask me these questions. And for me, I just want to 
talk about cybersecurity. I just want to talk about the technology and the, yes. the, the, the human beings that are impacting us from the threat perspective. However, um, a lot of people don't understand that um, even last year, in the middle of summer, I was out in California. I was at a customer site, and one of the IT guys straight up told me, women should not be in cybersecurity. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, women should be home. They shouldn't be working at all. And so, <laughs> so, so when, when people ask me, well, why do we have to talk about uh, gender diversity? And, and uh, where do we have to talk about any diversity? Well, we don't, we don't have to, except that it keeps impacting my ability to do my job. If I can't right. get somebody to give me good information just because they're hung up on gender, come on. Right. This is, this right. Is, this is crazy. <laughs> so, so I, yeah. I, I love, I love talking about cybersecurity, but uh, gender issues, I encounter them all the time. All the time. It's not, yep. it, and it's not usually that, that drastic, but I mean. <laughs> once, in a, once in a while, somebody will throw a curveball on you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, I honestly didn't know what to, stay, to say. I, I sat there and stared at him for a while because I, 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 and finally I was like, okay. <laughs> When, when I get such questions, I speak out. I speak out because I realize I have to be the voice for the voiceless. Right? <laughs> yeah. Who can articulate for themselves. So just speak out. And, and remember, people have different mindsets. Maybe sure. when I get asked such questions or thrown such a curveball, I, I usually turn the question around to the person asking me those questions. I ask them, explain to me, why, why do you see it that way? Explain to me your perspective so I can understand where they are coming from. Mm. And that way I'll be able to answer back um, their question. Because maybe they don't know. Maybe, you know, they grew up, they thought that way, right? It's a mindset issue. But if I understand where they're coming from, maybe I can be able to change their perception about it. Well, that's a a really good technique. In in my not-so-distant past, I would have just attacked. And and I (laughs) I realized that claws out Mm -hmm. is not the way to solve a problem. So now I'm just like, okay. And I, and I try to just, you know, let go, whatever, but asking the question, turning it around, making yep. a positive dialogue. That's something that I've learned from you today and I'll, I'll try to take with me. So, um, oh, thank you. how can other people get involved in, in mentorship programs? Is there room in your mentorship program? Should they be looking locally? What do you think? I have room. My, my, mine, mine will never feel. I'm always welcoming everybody. Come, come one, come all join us. We have the mentoring group there on LinkedIn. They can find it um, under my name. Okay. Also, um, I, I usually post when I'm hosting the next session for cybersecurity cyber chat on my LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. So feel free to come join us to learn, to share, and to network with others. Because other than even just talking about cybersecurity, in these cyber chats, we also talk about what challenges are you experiencing as an individual, mm-hmm. right? Recently, we identified the imposter syndrome is, is something that's unheard of. People don't speak about it. And a few people have mentioned about it. And, and now we're going to be having a webinar, I think, this coming Friday, just to address that. Oh, that's excellent. And, and a lot of people don't know what that is. Can you, yes. can you define um, um, imposter syndrome? Yeah. From what I've come to, from my research and what I've heard even from others is, is trying to change you who you are to fit into what somebody else wants you to be, right? Oh. I've, we've had some situations where people say that I applied for this job, but XYZ told me I had to customize my resume this way in order to really fit into that role they're applying. But that's really not me who I am. I, if I change my resume that way, 
I'm not going to be telling the truth of who I really am, right? right? So there's this imposter they're trying to place in front of you that you have to look X, Y, Z in order to fit into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to address that. And also that fact of where people, they are very, uh, we had people on the call where they have so many certificates in cybersecurity, so many of them, and they don't even have a job. Why? Yeah. Because the industry created this imposter feeling, you have to have X, Y, Z certificate in order to launch into cybersecurity to get into it. So addressing such, and people, some majority people, even I myself, did not even know I had imposter syndrome until, you know, when somebody explained to it. So it's something that sure. we are unaware about it, but the more we talk about it, it gives an awakening and a mindset awareness, and people are becoming to be self-aware and say, I'm going to stand for myself, I'm going to advocate for myself, I'm going to present the best of myself out there, and when I get that job, when I launch into cybersecurity, I'll do my best. Nice. Then another way that I've seen it uh, man- manifest is, um, so as a as a the kind of security analyst that I am, as I go out to companies, and most of the time I'll I'll take a either a standard or or a law like mm-hmm. um, PCI HIPAA, um, uh, the CIS uh, controls, and then right. compare what they have going on in their environment against whatever standard it is that they want to compare against, either for compliance or or just to, to um, uh, get a good security risk assessment, those types of things, right? Right. And, and so uh, a lot of the times they'll ask me questions about, does this tool implemented in this way meet mm-hmm. XYZ in a compliance or, um, you know, standard situation? And I, I don't know all of the tools out there, <laughs> right? I don't right, know right. all of the right configurations. And so right. when someone asks me that question in the moment, I have learned to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. So most of my job is <laughs> talk to research. People. Yeah, I talk to people during the day and I get to research some of the most like yes. detailed things uh, at, yeah. at night. And sometimes I still don't know. But that doesn't mean that I don't know security, exactly. right? And right, this is something right. that I, I asked. I'm the only woman on a team of uh, 25 something auditors that, that go out and I ask questions like these in our, in our uh, team meetings and it, it shakes people up. Cause I'll say who here has uh, uh, imposter syndrome and everybody goes, are we talking about imposter syndrome? <laughs> <laughs> but, but how can you not feel these things if, yeah. if this is your daily experience, right? To, to, to being asked things about it. And sometimes I'll be asked about tools I've never even heard the names of, and then I find out later it's because somebody else bought it and they've changed the name and I did know what I was, and so a lot of, you know, knowing that I know how to find out Mm -hmm. is is what it's about in security. But at the same time, if you feel like you have to know things in the moment without going and researching and and diving deep into it, then that can give you that sense of of imposter syndrome that a lot of people experience and and a lot of people are very uncomfortable with that and so they don't want to be in security for those reasons but if you just know how to find out you can get past it yes it's okay right yep and i i I second that too because i talked to people when i told them when they were talking about how they applied for jobs and they didn't get them and now they feel they're not qualified for cybersecurity Mm. career right and my take is Let's analyze one by one. So did you get back to them to ask them why they didn't use that job? Did you ask them for feedback so you can better improve on your next, you know? Sure. And, and I usually tell them when you're applying for that job, before you leave that interview, just ask them what, what, what part of my interview 
qualifies or disqualifies me not getting that job. Right. So don't wait for that phone call. Just get your answer right there so that you can remove this imposter syndrome from you. Yes, in the moment. A university degree can be helpful. It's not necessary. Certifications can be helpful. They're not necessary. One of the, uh, one of the colleagues that I have who, who he's my go-to guy when I have Linux questions, doesn't Mm -hmm. have a university degree. And, and it has gotten to him a few times. And sometimes I kind of yell at him and say, who do I go to when I need information? And he's like, okay. So stop getting down on yourself if you don't have these things. But at the same time, if you really feel like you need a specific certification, hey, no one's stopping you. Go get it. Go, Yeah. And certifications is a topic that a lot of people keep asking about it. And my take to them usually say, first figure out, especially the ones who are entering the industry, I always tell them, maybe go take the courses that have a certificate of completion where you don't have to pay the money up front to pay for your cert because the certificates are very expensive, are. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so go study one where you have a certificate of completion, which are free mm-hmm. or maybe very cheap, maybe like Udemy offering, maybe $9.99, $19.99, as opposed to $500 or whatever, yes. $1,000. <laughs> and then that way, that gives you an idea of um, do you really want to pursue that certificate or not, right? Right. And also... They, as we said, cybersecurity industry keeps changing. The certification you had three, four years ago, they're obsolete. Then you need to renew, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. So don't don't embrace yourself with so many certifications when you're starting this journey. And then once you get in, you get, sometimes you get bored. You don't want to do that career. You want to transition to something else. That's yeah. money down the drain. Mm-hmm. And you can get so easily frustrated. Sure. It's yeah. it's uh, the certifications, I think, and the, the university degrees are helpful to HR because it's like a it's like <laughs> it's like their shortcut to go I need to hire somebody for this position I'm going to throw out I need yes. this specific letters after your name and then they, right. then they pull you in but and so in some ways getting a new job it can be it can be useful but not everyone right. not everyone takes that approach to hiring and so um, mm-hmm. I, I think that again the mentoring program and the networking that people do can give people an, an avenue in when they don't have those certifications, but do have the knowledge. Yes. And also, I also advise them, if you don't have the education, you don't have the certificate, what are you doing right now to right. help yourself? Write a blog, right? Um, read an article and reply to it. And yeah. use that as your as your tool when you're interviewing and talking to that hiring person. Say, I may not have the, the, the degree you're asking or certification, but here are a couple of blogs I wrote and this is what people responded to it, yeah. right? Showing that you're doing something right now as we speak. And sure. that, that speaks volume as opposed to just sitting and just saying, oh, sorry, me, I don't have the education or certification. Yeah. Right? You want to be a pen tester? Go get some CVEs. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Noreen, this has yeah, been yeah. so great talking to you. Thank you again for, for coming and, and talking to us. I'll make sure that we, we put links up to um, the mentoring program and the things that you have going on in our show notes. Um, is there anything that I missed that you wanted to, to, to mention before we um, say goodbye? No, I'm thank, thank you for having me. And I appreciate this, what you guys are doing to showcase um, cybersecurity talent in the industry. Keep up, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Thank you. I look forward to it, too. Thanks, Noreen. Thanks again for joining us. It was terrific having Noreen George on with us today. And uh, make sure you check out the show notes for mentoring information. And talk to you next time.
Thanks for listening. To learn more about all things security and compliance, head to securitymetrics.com. If you prefer to watch the podcast, go to securitymetrics.com slash podcast or search for us on YouTube. See you on the slopes.